From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. If I haven't wished you already, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024, a year that I know is going to have a lot of ups and downs when it comes to personal finance. So I hope if you're making financial wellness a priority in 2024, that you make our show a priority. Just throw it on on the weekend in the background. Just even if you get a couple of tidbits out of it, I couldn't ask for more. I mean, talking about personal finance is already sometimes a hard sell, but then talking about on the weekend, I really, really appreciate all of you who uh, tune in to listen to me uh, because I know weekends are precious and we've got so much going on. Um, There are a number of things that we are looking at for uh, the new year. One of the the things that I've been focused on is and concerned about is Canadians' resilience, financial resilience going into our in 2024. Uh, there's a new survey that shows that a third of Canadians. This is a survey that was done by TransUnion, the the credit reporting agency, that a third of Canadians feel that they will not be able to pay all of their bills in full in 2024 and that they're going to increasingly rely on things like credit cards and payday loans and other forms of credit in order to make ends meet. And that's really concerning because what that means is that their financial situation is only going to get worse because they are not able to pay those bills in full and they'll have fees and interest and they'll be going into deeper debt. And so when they finally do get into a position where they're making more money, a lot of that money will just be going debt back to uh, paying off this debt and not towards building their wealth, saving, investing, all those good things that make you feel better about your financial situation. Um, this uh, this this survey that was done recently shows that 57% of participants uh, intend to cut discretionary spending. So this is spending we have control of. Uh, going out for dinner, uh, buying extra things at the grocery store, putting our kids in extracurricular activities, all these things that we can control a little bit. Uh, almost 60% of us say we're going to cut back on a bit of that because it's just so expensive. And for those who are in really deep debt, 22% plan to apply or uh, apply for new financing or refinancing their existing credit uh, because they really need to increase or improve rather their financial situation uh, for 2024 in order to afford those bills. So just a snapshot of, you know, what things are looking like going into the new year and uh, what we can expect over the next 12 months. Uh, Some surveys are actually showing optimism. Some people have made some really big sacrifices in the last year and are feeling better about their money situation. So it's not all doom and gloom, but I definitely think that there's a cohort of Canadians that continue to suffer, not just from the effects of the last three years, but from the inflation, interest rates, everything else that's happened after uh, that has just compounded all of the financial pain that they are feeling. Uh, Today, we're going to focus on financial wellness. We will have a financial therapist on to talk about 
how we can improve our money situation in the new year and really from the lens of wellness. Uh, rather than, you know, save more, budget more, really giving us some advice about how we can feel better about our money. And what I'm really interested in hearing uh, from our expert is even if you make a lot of money, why is it that we don't feel financially well? You know, where's the disconnect there? And later in the show, what does the job market look like for 2024? Uh, this is a weird economy that we're in. Uh, should we feel good about our jobs? Canadian companies are still hiring, but uh, they're also cutting back. So we're getting sort of two messages. What should we be really doing uh, when it comes to our job and how uh, secure should we feel in the, in the work that we're in right now? We have all those stories coming up. When we come back, we're going to speak to our financial therapist about how we can improve our financial wellness in 2024. I'm Ruby Nam Huck. This is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. January is generally a month we start to make some goals for the year. Many of us like to get ourselves organized, bringing in new good habits and squashing bad ones. Saving money is one of the top New Year's resolutions. To help us with how we can improve our financial wellness in 2024, we are joined by Brenda St. Louis. She is a financial therapist based in Victoria. Hi, Brenda. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for having me. You know, there's so much focus on wellness and our overall well-being. Um, what does financial wellness mean? mean to you when we say, you know, I, I want to be financially well, I want to improve my financial wellness. What, what does that mean to you? Well, it's such a loaded question because people often think financial wellness means I have a lot of money in the bank mm -hmm. and I don't have any debt, <laughs> but I feel like it's a relationship that you create with money, just like a relationship you have with your spouse and your children. It's you have to be visiting it regularly. You have to be talking about it. You have to be looking at it and nurturing the relationship you have with money. So financial wellness for someone that's in a lot of debt can look very different to someone that has a lot of savings and has a good retirement fund. So one of the ways that I often say with clients to highlight your financial wellness is to see how many times do you meet with your money? Having a date with your digits is what we call here at Money and Desire with our clients is that once a week, you sit down and there's a whole system that you go through to have a date with your digits. And that's, I would say, the ultimate in financial wellness. And it's so important because, like you said, a lot of people think, well, if you're rich you're financially well. And in fact, if you have a lot of money in the bank, you may still be financially stressed. You may still worry about whether you're making the right decisions. Uh, you may have people that depend on the way that you manage money, it could be employees, uh, could be uh, you know uh, debts that need to be paid, could be children that are depending on you. So that, that the, the number in your bank account doesn't necessarily mean that you are financially well. Uh, what's one thing that anyone can do um, if they're looking to improve their financial wellness, because they're just feeling stressed about their money, it's keeping them up at night and they don't want to live like that anymore. 
Mm -hmm. Well, stress can come in many different shapes and sizes, but it does the same thing to your nervous system. It causes you to worry, to lose sleep, to, to, to maybe even to be depressed. You don't have a large bandwidth to communicate challenging things in your life. So anything you can do to reduce your stress financially will help with more financial wellness as well. So some strategies could be um, to look at your bank account, look at your credit cards, get the information about what is happening. Because I think a lot of times stress happens because we don't know and we're head, our heads in the sand or we put our, we put our, we cover our head with a blanket and we don't look at the details. And once we know what is happening financially, then we can take some action to, to rectify some of the situations or move towards where you do want to step into financially. So knowledge is power. You know, uh, I talked about how wellness is uh, so important. We're focusing more on our overall uh, well-being and how finances can have an impact in all different parts of our life. Can you tell us how they're connected? You know, if, if we're not feeling financially well, the impact that can have on other parts of our lives? Well, I always say money is an inside job and money touches every part of our life. It touches our work our value as a contributing citizen in the world. It touches our relationships, how generous we are or how um, fiscally responsible we are, our ability to put our kids through university and college and give them the dreams that they want. You know, it, money touches everything. And when we are wanting to work out and get stronger in our body and healthier in our in our being we change our eating habits we go into a routine and we do something regularly i mean you don't get strong just by going to the gym once you have to go regularly and it's the same with having financial wellness and really working at it it has to be a regular practice and it has to be something that you look forward to you don't dread because I know a lot of people when they start the New Year's out, they want to go to the gym and they do it for a month and then they quit. And part of it is because we're not creating habits that fire the feeling good hormones and um, enzymes in our body. So it's important to link doing your money stuff with something that you love too. And so that's different for everyone. Some people say, okay, well, I really love my mornings. I have one hour in the morning. That's mine. I work out, I meditate and I pay my bills, <laughs> like whatever it is. Like I, it's different for everyone. Some people might dread that, but you have to somehow pair it with something that makes you feel good. That is such good advice because um, many of us at this time make these sort of lofty goals that are very hard to keep. You know, you've got to think, can I still stick to this in July, in August, in September? It's not just about doing a 30-day challenge. It's about really changing your habits for life that are going to make you feel better overall for the long term. So the things you're doing today are going to benefit you decades from now. Is that a mistake that we tend to make at this time where we sort of go into the new year with sort of guns blazing and all these great ideas, but they're just not sustainable uh, for the long term. Absolutely. And I'd like to speak to that a little bit. And part of it is because we live in this Western culture where we do everything all on our own. We don't ask for help. 
We don't get accountability buddies. We don't talk about money. Money is really taboo. It's actually more taboo than sex sometimes. And people don't even talk about it. And so when you have an accountability buddy or you're sharing a money buddy and you're talking about your finances and your goals and you're making yourself accountable to someone else, that can change how you move forward so that you don't peter off three, four or five months after you start. Um, we start, we have a year long program because we know it takes that long to revi rewire the habits that we've created that are not serving us. So when we stick and we keep doing it over and over again, the pattern, it just becomes easier and easier to do. And it's the same for anything we create. Like our brain is a pattern maker. That's what we do. We try to find the easiest way to do something. I, I often say to people, your brain is very, very lazy. You have to train it in the right way or else it will go to the least um effortful thing to do it's always trying to find the easiest way to get out of things so but when you can create a pattern and you create that 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 sequence of events that you usually expect yourself to do over and over again it makes it so much easier it is hard you know if a friend calls me today and says hey let's go out for dinner tonight it's really easy to say yeah that sounds like fun, but it's really difficult to say, you know what, I'm trying to save some money and I don't think that that's going to work for me. Maybe just come over and we'll have a cup of coffee. That's the <laughs> hard part, right? Having that conversation, admitting that you're trying to to do better with your money, even if, even if you're not in deep debt, even just because you're just trying to clean things up a little bit, you know, it can be really hard to have that conversation. You know, there's some people listening that would say, you know, I don't really need to improve my finances. I'm pretty comfortable with the way that I've been saving for, saving for retirement. I can afford my mortgage payments. I'm able to afford things for my kids. But I feel like we all could improve in some way when it comes to our financial wellness. Is there somewhere where we should be focused on, especially in this year, in this economy, in 2024? Well, it's, it's so true. Everyone has the goal of being financially independent, you know, or not reliant on anyone, or you feel at peace. Like I talk about having peace, joy, and confidence with your finances. And that could look differently for different people. But there are usually seven levels of financial freedom. And the, when you go through them, the ultimate level is where you have financial mastery. It means you can give back, you can you don't have to work, you can contribute to causes that you want, and your money's never going to run out. Like that's the wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And then it goes, it continues to come down. So if you're able to pay your bills, you have good savings and everything, there is always another level. And so it might require someone to start dreaming bigger of what else is possible, rather than just having the status quo that, you know, I have enough money for all the things that I think I want. Um, but creating practices of financial wellness could be, okay, so maybe you have your money for your kids. Maybe you have all your retirement savings and your mortgage is paid off. Did you educate your kids on how to do that? Have you taught your kids how to ha be fiscally responsible and have a good relationship with their money? You know, there's always little places where like, okay, maybe I could actually lean into that more. And that creates a whole financial, whole, holistic being that's moving through this world responsibly. 
I think that's really good because uh, we may feel very comfortable in our decisions, but are we passing that baton on to the next generation and making sure that they also will have that same experience uh, uh, that we did? Uh, that I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's very very good advice. Uh, that we forget that piece of it. That where did we learn to be so financially uh, responsible, and and can we pass those uh, learnings on to our children or those who are younger than us? Um, this is a very uh, unusual year. We, we're facing um, a record number of mortgages coming up for renewal when it comes to fixed rate mortgages. A lot of Canadians already worried about their mortgage payments if, they, if, if they've had sort of variable rate mortgages that have, have continued to climb. Uh, cost of living, even though it's normalizing, is still quite high. Uh, what, what are your concerns when it comes to financial wellness for Canadians in 2024? I am concerned. Thank you for asking that because sometimes people just avoid it and just hope for the best. But we are in a a very challenging time that we haven't seen it like this for the last 25 years. And some people are having to pay triple the mortgage they signed up for. And some people have bought a house at the height of COVID and now they've lost 30% of the value of their house. Like that's really hard. That is so challenging for someone to have to face. And so my concern is what are they going to do? Do they have the support? Do they have the emotional wherewithal to deal with all of that? Like who is there to help them out? And I do believe that the government is going to have to do something, you know, leave it in the last three months. I think we let in 500 immigrants with very little housing for them and our health insurance or our health system does not support that. Like there's so many political decisions that are being made that are not for the people of Canada. So I really believe that something's going to have to shift, you know, something's going to have to break in the system so that they step in and maybe fix it. That's just my, and I'm not a doom and gloomer. I just can see a little bit ahead when you're watching how policies are made out there and everything. So I think um, yeah, I am concerned. And that's why I do what I do. And the work that I want to do in the world is so that people feel supported, and in charge and confident with the resources in their life, whether how little or how much they have. And I think that's the best uh, way to put it. It's not not necessarily about making a you know a high six figure salary because there are plenty of people that make a lot of money that are still very stressed about their money because they've never sat down and done all mm -hmm. the work like you've been uh, like you've been talking about. Absolutely. Yes, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah, Brenda, thank you so much for making time for us today and uh, giving us some tips on how we can improve our financial wellness in twenty twenty four. Well, thank you so much for asking. And I and uh, I really appreciate you doing this for everyone in Canada. So thank you. Thank you. That's Brenda St. Louis. She is a financial therapist based in Victoria. When we come back, a new survey says the majority of Canadians are on the hunt for a new job in 2024. But what should we consider before making that big move? More on that after the break. I'm Rabina Ahmad-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. 
new survey reveals the majority of Canadians have a goal to get a new job in 2024. I was really surprised to hear that. I don't know what you would be doing in this economy to find a new job. It's it's kind of a scary new year for a lot of us. Now, this is really good news for the Canadian labour market that's looking for skilled workers. But are there things that we should consider before making that leap to find a new job, especially at this time. To talk about this, we are joined by Mike Sheckman. He is Senior Regional Director at Robert Half. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for having me on. So that number really blew me away. 70% of those that were surveyed, this is a LinkedIn survey that was done, of Canadians say they're going to look for a new job in 2024. Were you surprised by that the way that I was? Yeah, I would say that the number is uh, quite uh, quite high. Uh, you know, when you're looking back at 2023, uh, many are happy to see that uh, year and chapter behind us. It was a year of twists and turns, uh, along with the job market uh, being a bit of a roller coaster. So uh, it was surprising uh, to see. Uh, but at the same time, you know, our most recent survey in terms of the state of the hiring is showing confidence in terms of employers also looking to hire as we enter 2024. Yeah, this survey as well shows that more than the more than half of the companies that you spoke to say yes, we'll be adding brand new positions into our company. Um, you know, this is a trend that seems to be uh, spilling over from 2022-2023 uh, with more and more companies just needing skilled workers. I mean, is it focused on skilled workers or is it all kinds of jobs, maybe entry level jobs uh, that companies are looking for? There's a combination. There's uh, there's certainly a demand for uh, positions that uh, are, are looking for skills uh, at all levels. Uh, and it's it's exciting news because uh, when you're looking at the, the economic uh, forecast, uh, you know, the companies that we surveyed anticipated growth uh, and they saw some growth into the latter part of uh, 2023. And as a result, it's going to have that uh, demand when it looks uh, at increasing uh, their workforce as well. Uh, we saw a little bit of um, of a dull December just in terms of new positions being added across uh, the country. Uh, but that's uh, relatively uh, similar from year to year. Uh, and when you're looking at new budgets coming into place uh, for for a lot of organizations, uh, many are saying that they're going to be investing in terms of infrastructure and increasing that headcount, which is, uh, again, good news for the overall economic outlook. Yeah, the, the latest Statistics Canada numbers show that we added just 100 jobs in December. I think that was the the, the, the number. I mean, that's that's obviously not very many at all. Um, yeah. Does does this speak to uh, companies, you know, just hanging on to talent uh, and, and not um, and not necessarily replacing? I mean, what, what does that number tell you? You know, December relatively is is a uh, is a crapshoot for many organizations. Uh, you know, some again uh, are are waiting for a new budget to come into place as we entered uh, January. Uh, some also uh, do hold on uh, to uh, to talent uh, itself uh, as well. Uh, but uh, but the good news, even based on uh, the survey alone, uh, many are are looking to uh, to again look at some projects that were maybe put or postponed through the second half of 2023, uh, and uh, now it's uh, now it's go time. So uh, it's influencing some uh, some additional uh, projects that they want to uh, undertake, and uh, again, it's going to require additional infrastructure and individuals to uh, take on uh, some of that work. Uh, the other piece that uh, is really important to look at is that 
Um, organizations are also looking for different skills as well. So uh, there's there's also uh, a cohort of, uh, of managers that may be looking for additional skill set within the team that they may not be finding within it. Uh, so we're seeing also an uptick when it comes to uh, positions on a contractual basis. So bringing in some interim solutions uh, that will help alleviate two things. One is the ability to take on additional projects, but also uh, alleviate some of the pressures on the, on the current team. Because we did see uh, burnout and retention an issue for many organizations, and they want to uh, ensure that uh, they're also retaining some of the best people. Uh, sometimes people look at uh, the talent acquisition and uh, recruiting as a big part of their business and how do we attract talent. But if uh, you have a, a leaky cup, so to speak. It doesn't matter how many people you bring into the business. Retention has to be as crucial when it comes to your strategy. For for sure. I mean, if people aren't happy and they're they're moving jobs constantly, that uh, the, 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 there's so much cost involved with that. Onboarding costs alone uh, can really um, uh, hurt a, a company's uh, bottom line. Speaking from an employee's perspective, um, if you know, if I'm thinking of looking for a new job, maybe I've been in this job for a little while. The pandemic made me rethink what I want to do. Uh, what would you tell somebody who's looking for a job in 2024? What should they be aware of? Well, the first thing that you want to look at is is asking the why. Uh, it's it's really easy if you're employed to say, "Hey, I'm going to be looking for a new new opportunity." Uh, I always say and implore individuals to to ensure that they're not running away from something. Uh, and is it that, or are they getting pulled into a new opportunity? And if it's a running away situation, uh, can you resolve an issue or a challenge if it's with a with a peer or with your manager or whatever it may be, or maybe your motivation is because uh, you don't see any sort of career path. So making sure that you are exhausting your current role uh, before you just jump on and and decide to take the next uh, the next position that's available. So that's number one. Uh, the second thing that you really want to look at is is making sure that you're you're um, leveraging uh, your your network. So whether it's your alumni group through universities, whether it's your LinkedIn uh, community, and, and making sure that they are aware, especially people that you uh, that you trust, uh, and any associations that may align with the specific industry that you're you're working on. Um, and then and then finally, making sure that whether uh, you are looking or not, your resume is updated and your skills are continuously developing and, and sharpened. So uh, it's taking on additional uh, courses or um, getting out of your comfort zone in terms of maybe public speaking or looking at some of the areas that you want to improve in that you can uh, actually uh, take those as, uh, as side projects as well. Yeah, you know, I was recently told that my LinkedIn page was terrible. <laughs> Someone just came out <laughs> and told me that. And I, I do think that there is so many different ways now to network that I, I mean, myself, I feel overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Uh, is, is, is there places like that, that we're just, we're not taking advantage of fully of getting ourselves out there and, and being exposed to all the right people? Yeah, I, I would say tapping into specific individuals in industry association is a great way to to go, uh, because if you tap into maybe even um, LinkedIn as a as a community, finding out different uh, groups that are on LinkedIn, and then you will see different community influencers or individuals that are driving some of those conversations, and and through that organic uh, introduction or organic. 
uh, conversation, you can uh, start learning and, and, and get a little more intimate in terms of some of the events that are happening uh, that you can, again, leverage, uh, be curious, uh, learn, uh, and then uh, offer uh, offer your services. And then when I'm talking about services, it's just offering your network in terms of, and, and that's a big, big thing that you want to keep in mind. It's not about just uh, taking, taking, taking. It's what can you offer to that community as well uh, in terms of your network uh, and in terms of your connections that uh, that will make it a really uh, great win-win situation for anybody that you uh, come into conversations with. We're speaking to Mike Sheckman. He's Senior Regional Director at Robert Half. Uh, Mike, any concerns for this year? I mean, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the information out of the surveys feels like good news. You know, more people looking for jobs, more companies looking to hire. But are there any concerns that you have about the job market in 2024 that we should just keep top of mind, whether we're looking for a new job or not? Yeah, I think that, you know, even with this optimism through this survey, uh, you still need to have uh, a more of a, a macroeconomic uh, look and outlook to uh, to the, the business across the country. Uh, we're still seeing that um, there's wage pressures on employers. Uh, interest rates are still um, high and they've been unchanged for the last um, a number of months. Um, we're going to wait to see what uh, the Bank of Canada does at the end of the the month as well. Uh, inflation is still persistent, and and you know this you know consumer spending is not uh, is not high. So uh, I think it's um, it's it's relative, and I think it's important that some of these conflicting data points um, is something to be aware of. Where yes, uh, there are some really good signs that we're seeing in terms of uh, companies. Uh, at the ground that are looking to make moves and of course hire uh, but you're gonna get some uh, headwinds that uh, come with it as well that we need to be aware of especially for the first half of 2024 so um, you know just let's forge ahead I think that uh, we need to be uh, positive uh, but know that there are going to be hurdles as we as we proceed through the first couple quarters of uh, of this year. Mike, thank you so much. Happy New Year. And thank you so much for making time for us today to talk about what we can expect from the job market in 2024. My pleasure. Thank you very much. That's Mike Sheckman. He's Senior Regional Director at Robert Half. When we come back, there's a number of tax measures that are coming in for 2024 that will have an impact on your pocketbook. I'll break some of those down after the break. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina Ahmed-Hawk. In 2024, there are a number of changes that are coming to our taxes, income tax, EI premiums, CPP premiums that are going to impact our pocketbook. In some ways, we will save a little bit of money because our marginal tax rates uh, is going up, uh, the, 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 the ceiling. Uh, where you start first paying income tax is rising. So you can make more money before you have to pay tax. But in other cases, CPP and EI premiums have also increased. And so uh, that more money will be going towards uh, paying towards those programs, which in the end do benefit us. Uh, but it's something to be aware of. Um, there's also a, something that's going on with higher income earners where there is a second uh, premium, CPP premium that is being brought in uh, to really 
uh, beef up our Canada pension plan because we need more money for all the people that will be retiring eventually. And, and then the, the plan uh, needs more cash in order to 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 invest in order to uh, to make those payments once they are uh, once they are. Um, once people leave work and then they, they want their CPP payments. So for 2024, people earning $68,500 or less won't see any changes. So your contribution rates will stay the same. Now, if you're earning between $68,500 and $73,200, I know these are very, very specific numbers, but that's the CRA for you. Uh, you are going to fall into that second contribution level where you will be paying a little bit more. Um, the maximum more is going to be $188. So it's not like a ton of extra money, but it definitely is more money out of your pocket that is going to go towards the Canada Pension Plan, that is going to help uh, keep that plan healthy. And so that's something to be aware of. Um, other changes that are coming is to short-term rentals. So a lot of provinces and municipalities are cracking down on Airbnbs and VRBOs um, really because of the housing crisis. They're saying these homes that are being used as short-term rentals could actually be long-term rentals and you know provide a home for someone who cannot find a place to rent uh, for for a year or two years or for for even longer. Uh, they're cracking down on them, saying that if your province or municipality has banned short-term rentals. Uh, there's the other side of it that where a lot of neighborhoods are are annoyed now with the number of short-term rentals. I know condo buildings have banned them because it doesn't create a sense of community, right? If your if your home, surrounding home, is being treated like a like a hotel, so that's another reason why they're being banned. But if they are banned, you can no longer write off the expenses associated with it. So mortgage interest expenses, utilities, anything to do with that short-term rental, you will not be able to write those expenses off in 2024. So these are taxes we will file in 2025. So it doesn't affect us for our tax return that will be due at the end of April this year, but it will affect us for next year and something we should keep in mind definitely. Um, there's also changes that are coming to HST and GST that will be or won't be charged on uh, psychotherapy services. Now, there is some criticism, criticism being lauded at that because they're saying, you know, most people um, can't afford these services to begin with and taking the tax off of it is not really going to make a difference. It's actually going to make a huge difference to uh, the coffers for the government, $64 million in lost revenue over the next five years. But they're saying this is going to make it more affordable for us to access those services that are needed um, for those who are feeling stressed, those whose mental health is being impacted. Um, there's also criticism that it may uh, increase demand. And so there may not be as many uh, counseling services available uh, to individuals. And so that's something that they're changing, taking GST, HST off of those services, depending on which province you are in to make them more um, accessible to, uh, to, to, to individuals uh, that need them. Uh, so a number of different things happening uh, that are going to help us uh, either save a little bit of money or uh, we'll be spending a little bit more money. Um, if you are spending money, investing, I should say, uh, the TFSA contribution limit is going up this year from 6500 in 2023 to 7,000 in 2024. Now, this is really to encourage Canadians to save more money, to put more money away for a rainy day. The TFSA has been around since 2009. It's still widely misunderstood. And I'm going to share a story with you of how I got dinged with a interest charge or I should say tax charge uh, in 2022 because I took money out and put money back in too many times. So basically every time I contributed money 
I was contributing in that year. And because I did it so many times, I actually over-contributed, even though it was the same lump sum of money I was putting back in and out. And so I made that mistake. I did uh, write to the CRA to explain why I did that. It was it was just an error in, in my own accounting, uh, what happened. Still waiting to hear back from them. I'll let you know how that happens. But uh, this is really to highlight that the TFSA is still kind of a confusing registered product. Now, the TFSA stands for Tax-Free Savings Account. I think we all know that. But it really isn't an account. It's more of an investment vehicle. It's like the RRSP, right? The Retired uh, Registered Retirement Savings Plan. I mean, I think plan would be a better way to call this. Maybe the TFSP? I don't think that rolls off the tongue the same way. Uh, Tax-Free Savings Plan. Um, and for those who are in a lower income bracket and don't expect to make more money in their career, the TFSA is actually a more advantageous place to save than the RRSP. Because when you put money into an RRSP, you're basically lowering your taxable income. And so you're getting that tax refund back. But if you're in a lower tax bracket, you're not really getting that much money back as if you would be compared to someone who is a higher earner. And then on top of it, when you take that money out, when you retire, you will be taxed on it. So in some ways, it may be better for you to put that money into your TFSA, watch it grow, and then uh, take that money out tax-free when you leave work, and it will have no impact on your OAS, on other um, on uh, government income, uh, the GIC, the Guaranteed Income Supplement. So these are all income tested. And so if you withdraw money and show that your income's X amount and is more than their threshold, uh, those are clawed back. So that's just something to think about. It's a difficult sell for sure because everyone loves getting that refund in May. And in many cases, we rely on that refund in May uh, to pay down maybe a debt you have, uh, to invest back into your RSP, whatever it may be. Uh, but if you don't need that money and you can do without uh, that small refund, it may be better for you to look at the TFSA if you are in a lower income bracket as a way to save money for your retirement rather than the RSP. Again, this is just for information purposes and you definitely should speak to your financial advisor or a financial professional, which you can access in many different places um, before you make any major de decisions about your long-term financial savings. Uh, those are changes that are coming to uh, the tax system uh, in, in the new year. Uh, everyone should be aware that all of these are adjusted to inflation. So for example, the uh, marginal tax rates are going up because they're being adjusted to the fact that we are making more money. And that's why those thresholds are rising by 4.7%. Uh, and that's after a 6.3% hike into 2023. So they're not as aggressive as they were last year, but definitely uh, are changing to, to reflect the new reality uh, of us making more. Uh, we saw salaries increase last year more than we have in the last decade. And so the, the, the increases in those marginal tax brackets um, reflect that reality so that they can um, collect, in, uh, collect income tax from the people uh, that they at a rate that they can afford and that, um, that, that makes sense uh, overall for their pocketbook and for uh, government uh, revenues as well. Uh, today's show was really great. I loved uh, speaking to uh, Brenda St. Louis, the financial therapist, about how we can improve our financial wellness in 2024. Some really good advice there on you know understanding uh, how uh, we get how we continue to make the same money mistakes over and over again. How making a lot of money doesn't necessarily make you financially well. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, and that we really need to work on, um, you know, saving and understanding how to save more, how to spend better, 
and that um, as we make more money, we should increase our savings to reflect that reality. Uh, just like anything else, we need when our life inflates, so should our savings and our investments uh, to to reflect um, our new lifestyle. And so that that was really good advice. And also, what to expect from the job market in 2024. You know, we do a lot of these look ahead stories at this time, but um, we're getting some really mixed messages about uh, the job market this year. Uh, is it going to be good for workers or is it going to be good for companies or good for both? Uh, but it looks like a lot of Canadians are out there pounding the pavement looking for a new job. Maybe, you know, maybe we reflected during the pandemic and we don't want to be in that same position anymore. That's uh, that's fair, I think, for a lot of us who just realized, you know, there's something else that I want to do. And this is not exactly fulfilling or filling my cup when it comes to uh, my career and my creativity or whatever it is that you want to focus on uh, when it comes to your job. Uh, I want to thank you so much for tuning in uh, this weekend and listening to the program. I hope you got something out of it. You can always reach me on all the regular socials. Instagram and Facebook is kind of two places where I live the most. If you want to get in touch with me, you can also reach me through uh, the website, uh, if you go to for what it's worth on uh, globalnews.ca. Global uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back here same time, same place. I'm Rabina Ahmad-Huck. This is For What It's Worth.